Want to be prepared for any storm that may hit your desk during the workday? Automox has your back. Check out the brand new Autonomous IT Podcast. Listen in as a variety of experts in the IT operations space discuss the latest Patch Tuesday releases, mitigation tips, and custom automations to help with CVE remediations. Make new work friends. Listen now to the Autonomous IT Podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unsupervised Learning, a security, AI, and meaning-focused podcast that looks at how best to thrive as humans in a post-AI world. It combines original ideas, analysis, and mental models to bring not just the news, but why it matters and how to respond. All right, welcome to Unsupervised Learning. This is Daniel Meisler. All right, this week I had a little bit of a rada. I had uh, talked about plagiarism in a way I'm not really happy with last week. I basically said that the president of Harvard committed plagiarism and that Neri Oxman didn't. And upon reflection of it, the, what they're calling plagiarism is actually like being sloppy. So like both of them had copied like definitions from like Wikipedia or in some cases from some other author and used those definitions in their papers. And Harvard investigated, and this is the reason I said that uh, the president of Harvard actually committed it for sure, is because Harvard investigated and found her guilty of it. And that's why I think a big part of why they removed her. So I was like, okay, case closed, like she committed plagiarism. Uh, but this, they were kind of saying similar things about they being other people, not Harvard, but about Neri Oxman. But when you look at her stuff, it's also similar stuff. It's like forgetting to use quotes when it was so obvious that she was actually referencing someone who she had already referenced multiple times. So like, there's no way she was trying to steal ideas. So in both cases, neither woman was trying to steal ideas. And this is why I think looking back on this, I think it's worth mentioning that the word plagiarism should only apply to this theft of ideas, like taking credit, pretending that you had the idea when it was actually someone else's, which I think is like a horrible offense. It reminds me, uh, because I was in the army, there's an idea of like honor stealing where you're like wearing badges that you didn't actually earn. It's like the worst thing you could possibly do. And I really feel that way about ideas, especially. And for that reason, it's great to have plagiarism be like such a bad thing. But the problem is they, they've mixed that in academia with like sloppiness. So it's like, oh, you forgot a quote here. Oh, that was from Wikipedia. Well, the fact, the definition of this thing has nothing to do with the claims that I'm making or has nothing to do with originality of ideas, right? So I, I think ultimately we have to separate plagiarism from sloppiness and make plagiarism only mean the theft of ideas. And then if you want to beat someone up for being sloppy, well, you should maybe do that as well, if that matters to you a lot. But don't lump it in with stealing ideas. And at that level, uh, basically, if, if you accept that, then neither of these women actually committed this crime, right? Neither of them actually are plagiarists. Neither of them tried to steal the ideas of others. So I basically think I, I need to do better next time. And like, just, uh, yeah, anyway, it, it's a, a thing I'm going to improve on. Uh, the other thing is the cool robot I talked about last week was actually from Stanford, not from DeepMind. And this is because 
a bunch of, I guess somebody referred to it as DeepMind and then that spread across the internet. And of course I picked it up, but yeah, I should try harder on that as well. So a couple of pieces of errata there. Uh, a little bit of a short week this week, uh, just cause we had Martin Luther King's holiday on Monday. Um, what else do we have here? The episode of me going on Dave Bombles podcast just came out and it's, uh, basically all about how I integrate AI into my life. And uh, I think you should check that out. The link is in the newsletter. I did the first run of my augmented AI course on Saturday and it was absolutely amazing. Had, uh, so many people there and it was just a vibrant chat. Uh, people really love the content. I've got a whole bunch of uh, great comments and uh, it was really fun. I learned a lot. There were a couple things I could uh, do better and I'm going to do that in the next version, which uh, should be in a few months. And I uh, just went on my first walk with my new uh, GoRuck rucksack and this is not an ad, but um, it is essentially like this really thin rucksack and you slide these really thin weights into it. So it stays hugged right against your back. So it's not like pulling your center of gravity off, but, um, I'm going to actually slide two plates in there, which will put it up to like 60 pounds and you just go for a walk. So like, I like to walk, I need to be walking more actually, but, um, when you walk with this thing, you can get your heart rate up, which uh, I'm trying to increase my VO two max, which is way too low. And it's like the number one metric for longevity, uh, VO two max is. So this can really help you because you can get your heart rate up. Ideally, you would just be walking and you would be in like uh, the level two of your heart uh, effort. So that's uh, really what I'm trying to do. Um, I was able to walk really fast with 60 pounds on my back and my heart rate only went to 92 BPM. And I kept checking it to see if it would go up, but it didn't. And that was at like an 11 um, minute mile. So yeah, that, that seemed pretty fast. Um, but the heart rate stayed low. So I tried jogging and it went up to like 110. But anyway, bottom line is uh, you might want to check out these rucksacks. Uh, if you don't like running, if you don't like doing a lot of other stuff, but you don't mind walking with some weight on your back, it's a really cool hack to get your heart rate up, make it the effort a lot harder, but it's still an activity that you can enjoy. And I am unbelievably hyped about this open source project I'm about to re release. Um, I, I'll go ahead and say the name because I talked about it on the Dave Bomble podcast. It's called Fabric and it is coming out soon. And that's all I'm going to say for now. I'll probably do a standalone podcast about it. And I've still been spending like crazy amounts of time upgrading my Vim configs. Even though I already finished my Vim config for 2024, I'm still watching like 10 hours of Vim stuff a week and just like really enjoying watch other people mess with their configs. And like anytime I see somebody do something that's cool, I'll just be like, oh, how do they do that? And I'll, I'll go figure it out and uh, incorporate that into my configs. And uh, I'll be sharing a couple of those soon. And uh, I really wish I could edit and Beehive using Vim. That would be amazing. All right, moving into security. So attackers found a way to bypass MFA and gain persistent access to Google accounts by stealing and extending the life of authentication cookies. So basically once you've stolen a cookie, uh, they've found a way to modify the cookie so that it lasts longer. And this is nasty because cookies bypass MFA. They bypass passwords. They bypass MFA. It doesn't matter if you have 19-factor authentication. The result of 19-factor authentication is that you get a cookie. So if you can steal and extend cookies and extend their life, then you have a superpower. And uh, Google is, I think, working on this. 
but uh, they have gone and just reset the accounts. This is basically the fix. If you think this has happened to you, you basically do a forceful uh, reset on all your sessions and that'll kind of kill off all, all those tokens that are currently out there. And Google's evidently working on kind of a bigger fix for this. The NSA is leveraging AI to spot elusive Chinese cyber attacks on US infrastructure that other security measures might miss. And to me, this NSA story highlights for both like offsec and defensive security, the main advantage of AI will not be exceptional, like superhuman capabilities, but rather the ability to apply pretty good like interns or moderate level SMEs to like billions of more analysis points, right? It, because in large companies or government or military applications, we, we don't need AGI. We need 10 or 100 or 100,000 or 100 million extra pairs of eyes. We need extra interns. We need people to look at the stuff. Uh, we have too many logs that nobody is actually able to look at. And NIST put out a taxonomy and terminology paper for attacks against AI. And uh, I output a um, result from Telos, uh, which is uh, the software I'm building that uses Fabric, actually. But um, I did a summary of this thing, and it basically breaks out the main points of this thing. Uh, so it's the report categorizes adversarial attacks on AI systems into availability, integrity, privacy breaches, and abuse, and corresponding mitigation methods, uh, highlights the scale challenge in AI, theoretical limits on robustness, open versus closed source model dilemmas, supply chain vulnerabilities and trade-offs and trustworthiness. And it's got a few takeaways here as well. So that's that's the module, Telos module I ran to get this summary. And the summary is in the newsletter, as well as the link to the original report. And my buddy, uh, Joseph Thacker, has been doing a deep dive on a new invisible prompt injection technique against LLMs. Technique basically involves inserting hidden commands into AI prompts, which can lead to unexpected and potentially harmful outcomes. I haven't looked deeply at this yet because I was working on the augmented course, but uh, Joseph has, and uh, he's awesome. So you should definitely check out this video. Vulnerabilities, a uh, whole lot of 9.5 plus vulns this week. Um, Confluence had an RCE, GitLab, account hijack risk, critical Juniper flaw, and all these are like 10, 10, 9.8. And then SonicWall has a vulnerability alert for 178,000 firewall devices, uh, potential DOS and RCE, and that's a 9.4. Technology, it's the beginning of 2024, and a lot of tech companies are still cutting jobs. So I've got my own theories on this, but I, I don't want to go too deep into that. Uh, Unity, Twitch, Discord, Google, Cloudflare all announced job uh, reductions in the past couple weeks. And um, I don't know, I think I'm going to give a little about the narrative anyway. I, I think maybe this is like Alaskan fishing boat effect where companies are like, you know what? We have way too much waste. We have way too many people who are just like trying to find out how, how to do the least amount of work possible. And we need to completely shift to only having like hardcore killers in the company. Now that is a, mental model that I have. And I want to resist the temptation to like apply it to everything, right? This is a, I see everything through the lens of Alaskan fishing boat. I see everything through the lens of AI or, or, or whatever. This is a, a bias and a, and a problem that a lot of thinkers have and they need to be very aware of it. So I try to be aware of it. It's like 
don't just assume that you see a piece of news and it kind of like rhymes or it has an outcome that is similar to what you think might be true if your view of the world is true. And therefore, you use that piece of news as evidence that you're right, right? And I could do that all day, but there's lots of other factors going on. Like there's economic factors, there's cycles and trends and um, COVID and overhiring because of COVID. And maybe that's not all done yet. So I don't want to say that my narrative of Alaskan fishing boat is the primary reason that this is happening. I think it's probably a factor. I think it probably is a major factor, but I don't want to over-index on that. Cybersecurity companies saw more deals in 2023, but pulled in 40% less cash than the year before. So I saw another study from this. It was uh, basically saying 50% down. So 40% or 50% down, quite a bit more down than 2022. And my favorite resource for this type of analysis is my friend Mike Privet's return on security. He's like the Nate Silver of cybersecurity market intelligence, in my opinion. I think he is fantastic. And his site is called Return on Security. It's also a newsletter. Highly recommend you all go get that. And YouTube is completely crushing it on podcast adoption. It's adding RSS functionality to get even more of the market share. Evidently, 28% of weekly podcast listeners prefer YouTube, outpacing Spotify and Apple podcasts combined. I would not have expected that. I would have expected Apple to be on top, Spotify to be next, and then maybe YouTube like rising quickly. I can't believe YouTube is already like way higher. Um, I think the reason is this, a video has both audio and video, right? So, and a podcast, an audio podcast only has audio clue is in the title. So it's like, why not just go to YouTube? And then if you can't watch it, you're just still listening, right? So I, I think maybe that's why YouTube is winning. It just seems like it's, it's really crushing it. Um, it's so good that I, I don't know when Google's going to kill it off. All right, humans, the IMF is warning that AI could affect 40% of jobs, intensifying inequality. Well, no duh. I'm glad they're finally putting high numbers up here. I, I couldn't believe the reports like a year ago or six months ago or two years ago. They're like, uh, we could see like a 7.8% adjustment to some jobs, but it won't be most. Everything's going to be fine. I'm like, whatever. Talk to me in two years. And here we are, 40% of jobs. Uh, one interesting thing about that is they say the less advanced the country is, the less AI is going to have an impact, which makes sense because it's mostly targeting knowledge workers. Taiwan's election went in favor of independence from China, which is awesome. <laughs> this is great for the West, but actually a little bit bad for security tensions because now China has to figure out another way to get it. NASA wants to send swarms of tiny probes to Proxima Centauri using laser propulsion. That sounds awesome. Another study has challenged the idea that 10,000 hours of study is all you need to become a top-level expert. So this was the Malcolm Gladwell thing. It's like 10,000 hours. That's all you need. Turns out that's not all you need. Uh, practice matters, but at the highest levels is actually about talent a lot more than it is uh, practice. And I think we kind of already knew this, right? You could have someone who's just a total freak and they're going to crush it on the piano or football or writing or whatever it is. They're just naturally talented and they could train a lot more and maybe get better. But if you have someone who's not very good at that thing and just like 
ceiling limited based on talent, well, they could go and get a, a PhD in that topic and spend 20,000 hours and they're not going to be nearly as good as the one who's naturally talented. And that's, that's just a fact of life. And more and more studies are now showing this, uh, but everyone still thinks 10,000 hours is real because that's the way science works. It like penetrates into the brain and permeates the culture and it becomes like a truth, even though it gets countered by real science later. A recent poll shows a majority of Americans believe in entities like aliens, ghosts, and the devil. Survey found 56.9% believe in aliens, 61.4% in ghosts, and 70.3% in the devil with a belief in God at 85.4%. All right, ideas and analysis. All right, so one of the things I'm most interested in with AI is actually AR, which is augmented reality. So what does AI have to do with AR? I think it's a natural output of the combination of data being available about things, a display of some sort that can show you the data overlaid onto reality, and AI that can decide how and when to display things based on the context of like who's looking at it, what you know is contextually relevant, that sort of thing. So let's look at some examples of this. So the temperature of different stuff in a kitchen, right? The battery charge levels in a house, the last time since someone's eaten on a human, like your boyfriend is yelling at you and being kind of rude. And it's like, <laughs> you look over at them and you see like this battery indicator and it's way down at the bottom. It's on red. It's like, Ooh, hangry, uh, speed on a car, expiring food on a refrigerator, danger level on a street or intersection or like a marketplace or something or a map. This will be one of the biggest tech upgrades, I think, in human life, and it rhymes a lot with metaverse, but really just requires these individual pieces to get far enough, and then they start working together. So the data needs to be available. We need to have the screens and the lenses and the projectors to actually display it, and then we need the AI to collect and display the data for a particular user or an audience based on context. Cool. So that's that idea there. Um and I should probably make that a full post at some point, but whatever. For now, I just went in the newsletter. Notes. Uh, we'll skip the notes this week for the audio version. You can check them out in the newsletter. Uh, Discovery. A collection of postmortems. This is a wonderful GitHub project. Basically collects a whole bunch of uh, like what went wrong analyses. SSH Snake, a tool for automated fileless SSH network traversal. JQFMT a tool that formats JQ scripts similarly to how Go format formats Go code. What happened in the cybersecurity market in 2023? This is by that same buddy, Mike Privet. AWS Scrape, a tool for scraping AWS IP ranges to find specific keywords in SSL certificates. And this is by my best bud, Jay Haddix. Stellarium, real-time sky rendering for astro astronomy. Not sure how I was about to say that. Astronomy Enthusiasts by Stellarium Dev. Oil.envim. This is one of the plugins that I'm about to add. I'm about to learn it first, and then I'm going to add it to my config. It's basically, it lets you manage files on your file system like a Vim buffer, which is super, super cool uh, once you see it. And I'm probably going to do a demo of this once I get it integrated. Uh, using AI to prioritize and fix vulnerabilities with NIST and CISA data. Rabbit R1, this was probably the most talked about device. I think I probably tweeted about it, but it's the most talked about device at CES. And I ordered one. We'll see how it goes. 
my buddy Joseph, he actually thinks it's a, it's a big crock of crap, which I think he might be right, actually. We'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll definitely find out soon. Meditations modernized a new video format of Marcus Aurelius's Stoicism teachings, and it's kind of in modern language, pretty approachable. How Discord serves 15 million users on a single server. The Seneca effect suggests that while growth takes time, collapse can happen swiftly. Hopefully not in 2024. Terminal smooth scrolling. Already turned this one on. It is super yummy. Uh, definitely check that one out. Feynman talks about how he got burned out and ended up getting his Nobel Prize because he found a way to make physics fun again and actually recovered from his burnout by doing that. And optimal fraud level. That's the last one in discovery. Recommendation of the week is to go ahead and check out my appearance on the Dave Bumble's podcast. And it's the, yeah, it's basically the best video form illustration of what I've been working on for the last year. And the aphorism for the week, the only way to make sense out of change is to plunge into it, move with it and join the dance. The only way to make sense out of change is to plunge into it, move with it and join the dance. Ellen Watts. Unsupervised Learning is produced and edited by Daniel Meisler on a Neumann U87 AI microphone using Hindenburg. Intro and outro music is by Zombie with a Y. And to get the text and links from this episode, sign up for the newsletter version of the show at danielmeisler.com slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.